morning, guys. <clears throat> if you're a guest, <clears throat> you'll have to pardon my throat <clears throat> and uh, know that my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, my wife, Kim, is hiding somewhere, I'm sure, in the background. That's usually where she's at, right there. Um, and uh, we're just one of the pastors here at Impact Rock. Uh, we're on eldership with Mark and Kara. And I uh, just want to welcome you guys here and thank you for being here. And uh, you guys know that Mark is actually, I'm a little jealous, in Palm Springs right now, where it's not snowing, I'm sure. Um, we were originally going to go out to a men's advance, both of us and some other guys. And uh, for various reasons, you know, it just wasn't going to work out. And uh, our friends out there, um, Kevin and Cindy Booth, uh, and Kevin specifically, uh, just reached out to Mark and was like, man, I, I never... I never imagined this thing without you being there. Like, you've you got to get out here. We'll cover your trip, like, whatever we got to do. So um, we prayed about it, and, and we agreed that Mark should be out there. So he sends his love. He'll be back next week, and this week you're stuck with me. <clears throat> so um, this morning, I'm going to spend most of our time in Genesis, like all of it. There's lots of Scripture. I don't have a lot to say, but Scripture has a lot to say. So I'm just going to let Scripture do a lot of the talk for me. <clears throat> so if you have your Bibles, we can prepare for that most of the time in Genesis. Uh, but before we dive in, I just want to pray. Uh, Father God, we just we give time to you, to you, Father. We are here to seek your face. We are here for you, Lord. Um, Father, I give this word to you, Father. I just ask that you would use it uh, however you need to, um, to just provide encouragement or whatever is needed for every heart here, Lord. Just tailor the message so that it is unique and that it just brings life um, to everyone here in, in whatever it needs to. So, Lord, I just lay aside my will. I lay aside my agenda. And I just ask that you uh, speak and move through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so before we dive into Genesis, I want to start in Romans 8. <clears throat> and in uh, my Bible, the heading for that is our victory in Christ. So Romans 8, 26 through 29 says this. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also destined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And mostly today I want to focus on verse 28, but I wanted to kind of wrap that with a little bit of context. But um, if we can just have verse 28 up. <clears throat> it says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. So I know that, that that message can be a tough one sometimes. Um, when life is giving you lemons, people will tell you to make lemonade. And in some ways, that's how that scripture can feel, right? And maybe you just really are sick of lemonade. Maybe you just don't want any more lemonade, right? Um, may, maybe they reference that scripture. Um, but when you've had enough, <laughs> sometimes it's hard. It's hard when you're hurting to see goodness sometimes. Um, but, you know, like the, the word that came forth earlier, we have a choice. What I will say is God is with us and he is good. 
So in every situation, there's good. It's there. We just have to look for it. But I know it can be hard because, again, when we're hurting and we're looking at the situation or whatever we're walking through, and sometimes it's, it's hard to say, where is the good in this? Or how can God turn this to good? It's hard to receive when we're hurting. And I think sometimes we misinterpret what that verse is saying. I think when we're hurting sometimes, what we hear is, it's all good. It's all good. And when we hear that, and that's how we interpret it, it can feel like our situation or our hurt or the struggle that we're in is being dismissed. But that's not what the verse is saying. Because you know what, guys? It's not all good. It's not all good. Life can be hard. Sometimes we walk through some junk. It can be difficult and bad things happen and we have hard weeks and we find ourselves in financial crisis <clears throat> and we find ourselves amidst relational difficulty and we struggle. We do. Things happen. But, you know, if we just grasp tightly to the Lord and we just keep our eyes on Him, He can and He will use it. That's a promise in Scripture. He can use it all. The good, the bad, the ugly. He can use it all. Even that guy. He's a little stretched out. <laughs> but God can use it all for our good. And like I said, guys, God is good and He is with us. So in every circumstance, in every situation, there's good to be found. And I know it can be hard to be it's, it can be hard to see that moment. It can be hard to see, even after some time passes, how He's used things for our good. But I know this, guys. God's word is true, and He is faithful. And if we trust Him, He can and He will. So, I've got a short little video here that I want to show. Um, it's a, a time lapse of a forest. It's a very quick video, so um, watch quickly. We'll go ahead and cue that up. But it's a forest being burned and it's regrowth. And it was kind of hard to see that first image. Um, you can see just the new life that's springing forth. Okay. So again, it was kind of hard to see that first image, but looking at it, the first image, it's not that the forest was unhealthy or bad, but you can definitely see that after the burning, after uh, all of that burned away, like there's life and it's actually better. It's, it's greener. It's, it's uh, lusher and denser, right? <clears throat> so a forest fire in and of itself is, is generally not a good thing. Forests are generally home to various wild animals or plant species or whatever, right? Sometimes people have homes in the forest. And when there's a fire and everything's burned, it can be tragic. Sometimes people lose everything they have if it's a fire in an area that's populated, you know? So how can good come from that? And where is the good to be found in that moment? Well, it's, it's hard to see the good in situations, but there's some good there. Would you believe that that time lapse was only two months? That was the course of two months. It went from total destruction to just lush and green and life in a period of two months. 
And that's good. The end result of that is good. And we can say that it's good. Seeing the good in the middle of a bad situation doesn't dismiss the bad part of it. It doesn't dismiss the tragedy. But it's evidence that there is good everywhere we look when God is, is in the middle of it. When natural disasters happen and people's homes are destroyed, we see people band together. That's huge, guys. When there's tragedy, people band together. They come together to help one another. There's cooperation and caring and unity among people that you don't see every day. Was the disaster good? No, of course not. But it brings the good out in people. And that's good. And I know it's, it's hard to, to acknowledge the good and not feel like guilty. But guys, it's there. And it doesn't dismiss the bad. But when we choose, again, as that word came forth, Kat, don't be discouraged. The Lord knew the timing of that. We can choose in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of hard times, to, to look for God's goodness because it changes our perspective. In Isaiah 61, it says that He makes beauty from ashes. And I know it doesn't always feel like victory in Christ when bad things happen, as the heading of, of Romans you know, was headed. It doesn't always feel like victory. But he'll turn all things to good. And he can make ashes from beauty, or beauty from ashes. <clears throat> Just like the forest that was burning, there's new life that can come forth and God can use it. Sometimes we get pruned. Sometimes, well, not sometimes, always. It's a little painful when things get cut away, right? When things get burned away. But God uses it. Now, for us, depending upon what we're going through, maybe we don't see that new life in a couple of months. Maybe it's not evident to us in a couple of years. But God can and will use all things. In that scripture, it says all things. And all means all. All things. The good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. We all have bad days, bad weeks, bad years. There's seasons of life that seem like it's all bad. But if we look, we will see God's faithfulness even in the, those bad times, even in those hard seasons. And if we look, we can see how He's used it. So I think there's a story in the Bible that very clearly demonstrates this point. And that's what I want to go through today. I said I didn't have a lot to say and I have Scripture and Scripture wants to talk to us today, so that's what we're going to do. I'm going to be reading a lot. <clears throat> but I want to talk about the story of Joseph. So let's start in Genesis. Genesis 37, 2 through 3, um, and I'm kind of coming in a little later in the beginning of the verse here, but it says, Joseph, when 17 years of age, was pastoring the flock with his brothers while he was still youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his sons, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a very, col very colored tunic. So, so far, so good, right? At least for Joseph. He ratted out his brothers, and his dad was like, I love you, son. 
Here, I made this special target for you. I mean, very cold tunic for you. So the story goes on in verse 4. So Genesis 37, 4, it says, His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers. That target I was talking about. And so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Well, it doesn't help that he ratted him out. <clears throat> his brothers are clearly not amused. But things are still mostly okay for Joseph. His father loves him. He's got a really cool tunic. All's pretty good for Joseph. Then go Joseph goes on to have a dream where his brothers are bowing down to him and that he would rule over them. So Joseph decides, hey, this is cool. Let's share this with my brothers. They'll love it. Well, they didn't really love it. <laughs> so later in, in, in the scripture here, his father says, go find your brothers in the field. They're out in the field. Go find them. And so he did. Genesis 37, 18 through 24. When they saw him from a distance and before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. Wow. Maybe a little top, but... <clears throat> they said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Now then, let us kill him and throw him into the pits. And we will say a wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard this and rescued him out of their hands and said, Let us not take his life. Reuben further said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit that, in the that is in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him, that he might rescue him out of their hands to restore him to his father. So it came about when Joseph reached his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the varicolored tunic that was on him, and they took him and threw him into the pit. Now the pit was empty without any water in it. <clears throat> so not so good for Joseph now. And you know, this happens to us in our lives as well. Maybe we didn't rat out our brothers or have a fancy tunic, but, you know, life's going pretty good. Things are going pretty well. And then something bad happens. We find ourselves in, in our own little pit. Maybe we were put there. Sometimes we just made some bad decisions and we kind of climbed in on our own. <clears throat> Uh, maybe our pit is a hot tire when we don't have money to fix it and we have to get to work. And God is so funny. He's so hilarious. I don't know if anybody knows what that little orange-amber indicator is. But to, to me, in my car, which that is my car, it means bash your head against the steering wheel because you got a nail in your tire. <clears throat> I've never had that light come on and it not have a nail in my tire. And that happened on Wednesday. This is great. But, in this case, it's the first time ever that the light has come on. There wasn't a nail in my tire. And in fact, I had just bought a compressor to blow out my sprinkler system. Um, just decided, hey, this is a good investment. So when that happened, I was able to fill the tires. And they didn't leak. That's good. But... <clears throat> Maybe our pit is a lack of food in the house and we have to feed our kids, you know, rice and beans or ramen noodle or whatever. And, and we feel bad about that. We want to be able to provide them with, with different things or whatever. Uh, maybe our pit isn't financial at all. Maybe it's a damaged relationship or a very sick family member or friend. It could be any number of things, but the common element 
is when these things happen, we feel kind of low. Sometimes we can feel kind of trapped. We are in a pit. We feel like we can't win. We get focused on the bad. And then once you get focused on the bad, man, it's hard to see the good. So Joseph just got tossed in a pit. How is there any good in any of this? God can use it. Let's check in on Joseph again. So Genesis 37, 25 through 28. Then they sat down to eat a meal, and as they raised their eyes and looked, pull, the caravan of Ishmaelites was coming from Gilead with their camels bearing aromatic gum and balm and myrrh on their way to bring them down to Egypt. Someone coming! Maybe they can help Joseph out of the pit. You know, because clearly he doesn't belong there. Let's keep going. So then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is is it for us to kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother of our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then some Midianite traders passed by, so they pulled him up and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Thus they brought Joseph unto Egypt. Well... That wasn't super helpful. So where's the good here? Now he's a slave. But he's out of the pit. And the pit was empty. And it had no water in it. And he won't die of dehydrating. Sometimes we have to celebrate the small victories. Seriously. Now we're not discounting that he's enslaved. But he's not going to die in a pit of dehydration. It's a small win, and there's good in that. We can choose to see it in the way that from from bad to worse, and it did. Or we can focus on the goodness of God and trust that while we only see what's right in front of us, he sees it all, beginning to end. We can look for God's faithfulness. And look for how he is causing all things to work together for good. So you have a flat tire, but maybe you have a spare in the trunk that can get through until payday. Or in my case, God's just awesome and there's no nail. (laughs) You only have beans and rice or ramen to eat. But you have beans and rice and ramen to eat. Of course it can always be worse. And, so, and often we just want to be like, yeah, but it sucks. This is not fun. And yeah, you know what? Maybe it does suck. Sometimes it does, guys. Not all things are good. We do, we do experience trials. We have things. But God can use it. So let's check back in with Joseph again. Genesis 37, verse 36. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold him to Egypt, in Egypt to Potiphar, Pharaoh's officer, the captain of the bodyguard. Okay, so still not looking super good. He went from pit to being sold as a slave to being sold again. This is like your really bad week when you get the flat tire, you miss work because you're sick, so you're short, so you have to keep eating beans and rice and ramen for another two weeks. Okay, so things have to get better for Joseph at some point, right? Let's check it out. Genesis 39, verse 1 through 4. 
Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now master saw that the Lord was with him, <clears throat> and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant, and he made overseer over his house, and all that he owned he put in his charge. Yes! Finally! Things are going a little bit Joseph's way. Right? He's successful. He's in slavery, but he's successful. His brothers didn't murder him. He's not in a pit. God was with him. He was put in charge of everything that Potiphar owned. Things are finally coming up Joseph again. So this is one of our good weeks, right? We got a raise. We hit every green light everywhere we went. We're eating steak this week, baby. Woo! Life is good. We had to get through some stuff to get here, but we are back on top. It's awesome. But you know, it's easy to live in the peaks of life, right? When we're on top of the mountain, when we have fresh air, when we feel like we can see what's going on, we're not down in that valley. It's a clear view, but, but God's faithfulness is not dependent on our circumstance. He isn't with us only when things are good. What does it say in Deuteronomy 31.6? Be strong and courageous because when the stuff goes down, I'm out. Good luck. No, I'm pretty sure that's not what it says. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. So the them in this scripture is referring to the people in the promised land that they were supposed to go bounce out. But this applies to life as well. The them can be your hard times, your trials, your circumstances, your bad days, your bad weeks, your flat tires, your rough patches. When they come, God is there. He goes with us. He doesn't leave us. And if we stop and realize that in the midst of our battle, how much easier is our battle? When we're not alone, when God is there with us, with us, fighting it for us, how much easier is, is it to see the good in the bad situation? He's with us and we have to trust Him. He can use all things, guys. So let's continue in Genesis 9, 6 through 9. <clears throat> now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. He had that going for him. It came about after these events that his master's wife looked desire at Joseph and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold with me here. My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. <clears throat> and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I. And he has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. That's wisdom. It's good stuff. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? Okay, so here comes trouble again. Right? But Joseph is uh, not going to bait. He's on top, eating steak. He's not climbing into that pit. He spent enough time there. So let's skip down to verse 12. This is 39, 12 through 14. It says, She caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand 
and had fled outside, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he was brought in a Hebrew. He has brought in a Hebrew to make sport of us. Came in here to lie with me, and I screamed. That a boy, Joseph, run! Run for your life, Joseph. The word says we should run from sin. Run! And Joseph did that. He ran for his life. It's going to get him. So, clearly goodness has to come from this, right? He did the right thing. He ran away. Let's find out. So Genesis 39, 19, 20. <clears throat> now when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spoke to him saying, this is what your slave did to me, his anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him in jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the jail. Man! Back in bondage again. Have you ever felt like you were doing everything right? You were you know, looking at your circumstances, looking at what's in front of you, making the right decisions, and you still find yourself in a bad spot? It's tough, right? Joseph did the right thing, but he still ended up in jail. <clears throat> Life can feel like this for us times too. It really can. We try really hard. We try to make the right calls, but we still end up in the muck find ourselves yet again wondering where God is because we do that sometimes don't we when things are rough we're like God where are you but there's always some good let's see if we can find it so Genesis 39 21 through 23 <clears throat> but the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer the chief jailer <clears throat> committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail, so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. Okay, so he's in jail, but there's favor there. Still not a great situation, but he's not locked in the dirty cell, not getting fed, you know, he's, he's been put in charge again. God's with him. Being in jail is bad, but there's goodness there. God's, God's faithful. So let's keep going. Genesis 40, 1 through 4. It says, Then it came about after these things, the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was furious with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, so he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail, the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. The captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them, and he took care of them, and they were in confinement for some time. So goodness for these guys was Joseph. God can do that too. In the midst of your tough stuff, maybe you're, you're the light, you're the goodness, and somebody else is like. So then while the cupbearer and the baker are in the prison with Joseph, they each have dreams and Joseph is able to interpret them. He tells the cupbearer that he was restored to his former position and the baker that he will be hanged. Okay, so not so favorable for the baker. I'm sure there's good there somewhere, but that's another story. We're going to move on. The cupbearer is really excited that he will be put back into his former position and Joseph asks him to remember him when he is put back in the position and to remember to mention him to Pharaoh so that he can get out of prison. 
So Genesis 40, 21 through 23 says, He restored the chief cupbearer to his office and he put the cup into the Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the baker just as Joseph has interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Joseph gets forgotten. He's still in charge in the prison. He's still being shown favor. He showed kindness to, to these guys. He, I know the one guy was hanged, but it said just cared for them. And then he's forgotten. Are you starting to see the roller coaster that is Joseph's life? And can you relate? Our lives feel like this, right? All is well. We're on top. Somehow we find ourselves in a pit. We're working on climbing back out. We get stuck. We're back out again. We're on top. Then we come back down again. We just keep doing it over and over again. Guys, this is life. This is life. We go from mountaintop to valley and back again. There's good and bad, high and low. But in the highs, God is with us. And in the lows, God is with us. Joseph was in prison, but the Lord showed him kindness. When he was in charge of all of Potiphar's house, God was with him and made him successful. God can use all things to work together for our good. So, after Joseph is forgotten, two years pass. He's in prison for two years after the cupbearer returns to his position. And at this point, the Pharaoh has a dream. So the Pharaoh calls for all of his magicians and wise men and um, all the people that he sought counsel with, but none of them could interpret the dream. So then the, the cupbearer remembers Joseph. Two years, but who's counting days, right? I mean, three days, 730 days, it's all good. So the cupbearer tells Pharaoh about Joseph and how he interpreted the dreams for him and the not-so-fortunate baker. So now Joseph is called to come to Pharaoh to interpret his dreams. And Pharaoh explains his dreams, and then Joseph interprets them for him. So Genesis 1, 25-30, it says, Now Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good cows are seven years. The dreams are one and the same. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven thin ears scorched by the east wind will be seven years of famine. It is as I have spoken to Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming in all the land of Egypt, and after them seven years of famine will come, and all the abundance will be gotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will ravage the land. So after he interprets for Pharaoh, Pharaoh's like, man, this guy's smart. In charge of all Egypt. Upgrade. No more prison for Joseph. He is moving on up. Back on top again. And guess what? This mountaintop's a little higher. <clears throat> he gets to oversee all of Egypt, and he works to store up resources to prepare for the seven years of famine. He does well. He has everything he could ever want. Here's that, that good thing that we've been looking for, right? But this isn't even the best part. So Joseph's brothers end up coming to Egypt during the time of the famine because the whole land was just ravaged by it, right? So they need food. And his father, Jacob, sends him to get them. So they end up coming before Joseph, and Joseph recognizes them, but his brothers don't recognize him. And so for a moment, he remembers how they stuck him in a pit and sold him into slavery, and 
you know, he's kind of not feeling so good about that. So he gives them a, a bit of the business, right? He, he's kind of jerking them around a little bit. He calls them spies, uh, one of his brothers hostage, makes him go back to get his other brother, and ultimately his father, who at this point he hadn't seen in 10 to 12 years. So they go back and forth, and, and eventually Joseph reveals to his brothers that it's him. In Genesis 45.3, it says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? His brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. They were a little freaked out, because they knew what they did to Joseph, and they knew what very well be coming to him. He was in a position of great authority now, and they could very well be in some pretty deep doo-doo. But they aren't because Joseph is a man of God and he deals kindly with them. <clears throat> and he sees how God has used everything that has happened to him. In Genesis 45 through 8, it says this, Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For famine has been in the land these two years and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. But God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. His family all moves to live just outside of Egypt. He gets reunited with his father and his brothers. And they are all benefiting from the favor that God had on Joseph and the authority that the Pharaoh had given him. So later on, Joseph's father dies. And, you know, while his father was alive, they're thinking, oh, you know, we're, we're pretty safe. Um, this was, you know, dad's fate. He's not going to take revenge on us while he's alive. But, but after he's gone... They get a little nervous. Genesis fifty eighteen through 21. Says, then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am in God's place. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. What an amazing journey. All the ups and downs. The highs and lows of life, just like our lives. But as Romans 8.28 promised, God caused all things to work together for good. Joseph went from his father's favorite to at odds with his brothers, nearly murdered by them and put into a pit, out of the pit and into slavery. Eh, it's debatable which direction I should go on that. We'll say up. <laughs> put in charge of his master's house to put in prison put in charge of the prison and helping someone only be forgotten by them and then brought into to Pharaoh's house and, and put over all of Egypt reunited and reconciled with his brothers and his father and able to save thousands from starvation there's a lot of tough times in his story just like there is in ours. But God used everything that Joseph went through and ultimately used him to save thousands of people. Guys, our lives are no different. God will use it all. 
if we keep our eyes on Him, we can celebrate the highs and and the lows in some way. And even if not like celebrating them, they, they definitely don't seem so low. If we look for the good, we can find it. If we choose to look for God's faithfulness and for the good, we can find it. So how will God use your life? How will He use your story? I don't know. It's all different for all of us. For sure. But God is super creative. Way more creative than I am. So I know He knows. Now I do know one way that He'll use it. Because it's in Scripture. It's found in James 2, verse 4. It's consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So maybe your hardships will bring you closer to God. That's good. Maybe your experience will allow you to help someone else that's going through a hard time like with the guys in the prison where Joseph's in a bad place, but even in the midst of that bad place, he's able to, to care for others. Remember in, in Romans 8.29, it said, for, them, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. Maybe he'll use it to prune a little bit. Maybe he uses it to mold a little bit, shape you a little bit, make you look more like Jesus. Maybe God will use the hard times to sharpen and bring endurance. Maybe He'll use it to humble you. He doesn't bring the bad things, but He'll use them. Maybe He'll bring restoration to your family. Maybe like Joseph, you're at odds with your family. Maybe reconciliation's coming. I don't know what your story looks like, but God knows. Maybe he'll use it to put you into a position and place of authority and influence. Joseph went from a pit to a prison, up and down, and ended up in a, in a place of high authority. Maybe like Joseph, he'll use you and your story to save thousands. So guys, if you're in a high place right now, celebrate it. Celebrate it. It's good. And if you're in a low place right now, Look for God's hand. Look for His goodness. It's there. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And guys, here's the cool thing. We're all called. We're all called. He has good for all of us. And He'll use everything in our lives to bring good.